This week on the Small Church Media Podcast, we are going to be starting a two-part conversation all around the idea of what are the bare essentials for church communications. You know, there's so many things out there in the church communication sphere, such as websites and social media and live streaming and logos and branding and promotional materials and all these different things, but we have to first answer the question of what are the bare essentials to make sure that we at least have the foundation set before we build our church communication house. You guys ready to talk about it? Let's get it. This is the Small Church Media Podcast with Mark Hyde. Well, what is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Small Church Media Podcast. If this is your first time finding the show, I just want to say a big welcome, and I am so glad and thrilled that you are here hanging out with us to learn how to use media to grow the faith of your congregation and also to reach outside your church walls to find some other people who need to hear about Jesus as well. If you have been around here for a long time, you know exactly what I'm going to say, but I have to let you know that this episode of the Small Church Media Podcast is sponsored by Worship Tools. Worship Tools create software tools designed to equip your worship team and enhance your congregation's worship experience. Planning, presenter, and music stand are all included and are all free for your whole team to use. Prepare, rehearse, and present at the next level with Worship Tools. And you can get started today over at smallchurch.media forward slash worship tools. Again, at smallchurch.media forward slash worship tools. Now, today's conversation, I am so excited to bring this conversation to you guys because this conversation was actually one that I recorded a little while ago over on the Church Communications Podcast. Now, I know, I know, I know, but don't, before you pause me real quick, I know a lot of you guys who have found our show have found the show because of the Church Communications Podcast, and maybe you first heard me having this conversation over there with Abby. And if you have already heard this conversation, I want to challenge you in the same way that you watch favorite TV shows and movies multiple times, and then you eventually learn, actually get it stuck in your head what's going on. I want to challenge you not to just skip this episode, but to listen to it again again, learn and glean from it and see what you could do to make sure that you have the bare essentials, or as I'm going to joke about, the bare necessities in place for your church communications. Um, Not just structure, but just all the things you're going to do, the ecosystem, the house, however you want to call it. But, But needless to say, you know, church communications, there's a lot of different aspects. There's creating sermon graphics, there's social media content, there's creating podcasts that we've talked about for about the last four or five weeks, which side note, I'm working on an interview and a secondary conversation for to finish up the podcast series. But we're going to take a two-week pause on that because I just found out today that I am moving, like closing in three days and it was supposed to be 10 days. So that's why we're dropping these episodes right here, right now, because it's about to get real crazy in the hide house. But either way, with this conversation that I had with Abby, we wanted to set the stage and ask the question of, with all the different things that are involved with church communications and marketing and media and web presence and all these different things, what are the bare essentials where if you only did these things, you will come out A-OK? This conversation went longer than most of the conversations that they actually have for their podcast. So we split it up into two different episodes where the first one did a lot of conversation around things that I can guarantee we've talked about here on the show, but will be great for either refreshers or to learn something new based on that conversation. And part two, there's even some tidbits of like the things that drive me nuts the most about what churches who are like 
small churches do and spend their money on to think that they're going to have some sort of great return on investment with that that I think is just absolutely bogus. So without further ado, here's the conversation I had with Abby all about the bare essentials for small churches. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Church Communications Podcast. My name is Abby McCulley. I am your host for today's episode, and joining me today is the one and only Mark Hyde. He the is one a and, the one and, the I'm one gonna, and I'm only. I'm going to stop you. The one and only. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the one and only. Only one I've met so far. There you go. <laughs> he is a freelance designer, a web developer out of South Bend, Indiana. Uh, but before that, he served as the assistant pastor at Southside Baptist Church, which I'm sure he's going to tell us all about later on. Uh, He works with churches, businesses, bloggers. Um, He brings their content, websites, and marketing plans into the 21st century. His stuff is amazing. I've looked at his work. He's incredible. This guy knows what he's doing. Um, (laughs) But on top of running that freelance business, he also runs two podcasts, Real Talk Christian Podcast and Small Church Media Podcast, which I'm sure he'll also tell us all about. And I'm so excited to have him on today. Uh, Mark, how are you? I'm doing good, Abby. Thanks for having me on. Sorry I keep touching my ears. My headphones are wanting to fall out all the time. So it's not a nervous tick, I promise. (laughs) That happened to me the other day, actually. We were recording. I was recording a uh, video and I had my AirPods in and one just like... Yes. Oh, goodness. Yep. I get got you there. No, but thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be with you. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about the bare essentials for small churches in the digital age which Mark, this is your area of expertise. You know all about it. Um, you run the small church media podcast. So, I mean, this is, this is all you. This is it, you know, and, and, you know, it's, and I'll, I'll go into this here in a little bit, but, you know, I have a very different target demographic than might be listening to this show, but right. um, I, I'm a big sports guy. And my, the one lesson I learned when I was in seminary was never use sports illustrations. So I'm going to use a sports illustration, but <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm from South Bend, Indiana. We're, even though we're the home of the Hoosiers, I'm not a Hoosier fan. I'm a Notre, I'm big time diehard Notre Dame fan. Okay. But in the movie Hoosiers, you know, they always focus on bringing it back to the fundamentals of, no, 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 we're going to get back to the rudimentary basics. We're going to get back to the primary things because it's the same as when you build a house. If your foundation sucks, who cares how pretty the house looks? It's going to fall apart. So today, that's that's kind of where the conversation wants to go is, what is the ground floor bare essentials, or if we want to have more fun, the bare necessities for church communications? And I'm a dad of literally seven kids and... um yeah, Jungle Book is a very popular one in my house. So, Bear Necessities kids. is seven kids, ages, ready for this? 10, 8, 6, 5, 3, 3, 3. So, it no is a, way. yep, and no triplets. All three three year olds are from different families. So, Stop. it's uh, different biological families. How about right. that? We're all one family. But, yep. So, yeah, that's what I kind of want to jump into this conversation about. Cause, you know, being a part of the church communications Facebook group, pro church Facebook group, all these other different Facebook groups out there, people are always asking questions of how do I do this? 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 And something that I enjoy doing is going to, okay, let's find out who's asking this question. Why are they asking this question? And let's see if they have the other foundational frameworks in place. And most of the time, in my opinion, sadly, they don't. And so, yes, we need to build off and do some really, really cool things. But I feel like we need to take a step back, strip everything away, get back down to that foundational subfloor, the, just the basics of digital... I don't even want to say digital marketing, but digital communication. And if we can get literally the bare essentials down pat, everything else will just fall into place. Could not agree more. So let's get started and talk about what makes a bare essential for a small church, right? Like, 
what is that foundation? Yeah, definitely. And so I would say, you know, the, the the foundation are literally what is absolutely necessary for a church to do ministry in this day and age. And to be honest with you, I already know some people are going to be very mad at me <laughs> and upset <laughs> with me that I don't say certain things. Um, I know that Katie, at time of recording at least, posted that one post in the Facebook group about you know, give a hot take of an unpopular opinion. I said, live streams are overrated. Just I'm like, I want to watch the world burn and see what happens. <laughs> and I'm also very pro when it comes to bulletins. I'm very pro when it comes to doing a lot of different things. But it's, it, at the end of the day, it's more the fact of people, yes, might disagree with me. But if you let me kind of spin the wheel a little bit and grind the gears, we can literally, I think we can all come to an agreement of this. these are the primary tools that you literally need to have in order to actually not just grow your church or grow your ministry or get this amazing online platform, but the rudimentary basics of if you have these things in place, you'll be fine. But if you skip any one of these steps, you're going to be sure to fall through the cracks somewhere. And I do want to say this this as well before we get into the conversation. Um, with the Small Church Media Podcast, the target demographic for that podcast is the church of 75 people you know, bivocational pastor, working two, sometimes three, sometimes four jobs to make ends meet, including DoorDash or whatever side hustle you got to do, where there's not a lot of money in the budget. In fact, a church, small church on average in America is 75 people, which I even wonder if it's less now. But what's yeah. crazy about the size of these churches is the entire budget for the entire church sometimes is the same amount of money that a lot of mega church... And I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm all about it. I'm all about the production value. A lot of mega churches' camera budget is more than a small church's entire operational staff everything budget. And so when we're having these conversations, especially around this, that's primarily who I speak to is these pastors who are super small, sometimes backwoods churches where they're just like, I don't have time to do everything. So what is the bare minimum that I have to do in order to do well online? And, and, and so that's where this conversation is kind of kind of stemming out of. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's important to note because you're right. There is a million things out there that you can do, right? Like there's always going to be a new software, a new yep. tool, a new something that is probably amazing and helpful. And if it's in your budget, if you have the manpower for it, absolutely go nuts, go for it. But yes, this conversation will be going back to the basics. What do you need to start with before you start chasing and finding all these new cool high tech, you know, extra things. This is... It, yep. And you said the key word, you said chasing. And that's what yeah. we want to make sure we don't do. I'm a big Amy Porterfield fan. And yeah, she always yeah. talks about don't chase the shiny object. Figure out what system works for you. Double down on it. Master your tools and you'll be okay. Yeah, I totally agree. So as we're going to get into this, do you have a list for us? Do you have some some high points we want to touch on? Are we going to dig into some different categories? How are we yeah, going to Yeah, yeah. So, so to kind of set the stage, what we're going to do, we're going to talk about just what are the bare necessities for that, and then kind of break it down into what softwares or tools that we can use to make sure these bare necessities are taken care of. So I have a list here of, I should have numbered them. I just have dots. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven bare necessities for every single small church. And if we have one of these I would say not lined up, ready to go. Your foundation is going to be weak and it's going to crack. So what are the bare necessities for a small church when it comes to just digital communication and just media online? The first one is a way for people to both find you online and learn about the church and then get their questions answered. Another one is a way for people inside of the church to be tracked, like you know attendance or what classes they're a part of, what uh, seminars they've, been, they've gone through, new members classes, groups, baptisms, et cetera, et cetera. 
Another way is for a uh, bare necessity is for a way for people to feel safe about dropping off and then walking away from their kids to go do a, you know, be a part of the worship service. Another one is a way for church to track finances, a way for church to easily handle volunteers and manage volunteers and communicate with volunteers, a way for people to give online. And the last one is a way for people to corporately worship together in person with the asterisk of distraction free. So then the next question is, okay, so if these are the bare necessities for church, what programs or softwares can a church use to solve all of these problems? So I kind of boiled it down to these seven different things, you know, kind of funneled them into three categories. And so we'll just knock out the three categories. How about that? That sounds perfect. And I think just go at like, based on that list, I don't know who could really argue with that, right? Like that is, you're in the church world, small or large I think pretty much everyone across the board could agree that these are seven very important things. So I think that's oh, a very important list. I think so. Now, I think people disagree on the application in terms of, okay, so yes, we need to be found online, but how do you do that? I think this is where people are going to start disagreeing with me. So, so let's jump into that one then. So how okay, yeah. can we as a small church or just a church in general be found online. And I would say if you double down on these two things more than any other areas, you're at least, again, foundationally set, ready to go. The first one is a modern slash working website, because I don't want to just say a modern website, but a working functional website, but then also a Google business page, formerly known as Google My Business. Google My Business had a nice role to it. Google Business Profile does not, but it, it, it is what it is. The GMP, or no, you see GMB, but now it's GBF and it's dumb. But it's okay. It's fine. But but to be found online, you have to have a modern working website and Google My Business page. So so to start with websites, first we got to ask the question of why does the church even need a website? And if you as a you know small church communicator are listening to this conversation with me and Abby right now, I can promise you that you're gonna have a website because if you're online and Facebook trying to do these things, you're gonna have some sort of church website in place. But the importance of having a website just to make sure we're all on the same page is it lets you systematically organize your information about your church in such a way that it answers people's questions about your church, including where's the location? When do you worship? What ministries do you have? Uh, what's the church culture? In my favorite word, what's your church vibe? Is it a liturgical style? Is it modern? Is it lights and sounds? All those different questions that people wanna know before they walk in. And then what makes your church you? Literally, what makes your church different? Because yes, as Christians, we're all called to preach the gospel. We're, we're all about the Great Commission. We're all about loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. But what makes your church you? Are you all about, we're impacting this, you know, we're, we're all about one life at a time. We focus on groups. We focus on the weekend worship, worship experience. That's what people actually want to know about your website. But what makes a website different from social media is you control how you want people to see it, use it, and interact with it. So like on Facebook, you know, you can pop pictures and quotes and phrases and, and whatever. Instagram, you can do stories to engage with your audience, reels to grow your audience. But at the end of the day, those are just snippets. I, I call it social media uh, windows that peer into the building. Or it's kind of like a sandwich board outside where you know, it just <laughs> yeah. gets people inside of your business. And then when people walk into the business, like Starbucks, for example, they might draw you in with one certain product, but then that you see the menu that they want you to see. Now, obviously, there's a secret menu at Starbucks. But if you're just walking in for the first time, you're like, I don't know what to do. They systematically set up their menu in such a way where you figure out what you want to have and what you want to order. And the same way goes for a church as well. So social media, in my opinion, is just a window that peers into your church 
Whereas your website is literally the front door into your church. And I can guarantee that someone will not walk into your church building before they actually go onto the website, which is, that's why I think that's the most foundational piece you have to have. To, you know, you had to have a church website that actually looks good and is functional as well. Well, definitely. And you want to, like you said, set people's expectations because I think about like, I don't really go to a restaurant that I've never been to before without looking them up. Yep. One, see, like you said, what's the vibe? Let's do a vibe check real quick. You know, like what's the atmosphere can I expect? What kind of food can I expect? How do I need to dress? You know, mm-hmm. I would like to see pictures of the environment to sort of get kind of an idea of what I want to wear. Um, and so like we do that in other parts of our lives. So why would we not expect people to do that, you know, before they visit a church for the first time? And, and here's the deal that a lot of churches get wrong when it comes to the website is your website is not for your church people. It's for visitors to learn about your church. So why don't you just lean into that? And, you know, I came out of the conservative, independent, fundamental, we're the only ones going to heaven Baptist church. Like, that's how I grew up. Like, you know, literally like pulpit thumping, soul winning, feet on the <laughs> ground, you know, loving Jesus and hey, man, like that's that's how I grew up. That is not how I am at all anymore. But that's that's how I grew up. And a lot of these churches, you know, they they, we, we say we want to love our neighbor as ourselves. And if we ourselves, like what you said, like we're going on Yelp to see the reviews, you know, there's five different coffee shops. What's the vibe? Like, you know, my wife, Beth has a very different vibe of the type of place she wants to go. If she she goes, works at a coffee shop, she wants a whole different vibe than what I want. I want sterile and white and clean. And she wants more of that homey feel. You yeah. know, like not not like like completely like homey, but she wants a more homey industrial vibe. Like we're mm-hmm. both different people, so we gravitate towards different things. And that's not a bad thing for the church. You know, your church is positioned in such a way where you can reach the people that only you can reach. Mm-hmm. Why not just double down and lean into it? No, I totally agree. And like you said, we expect it from other places and we expect it from different people to want different things. And that's okay. Like that's not a bad thing. And that's something I think a lot of churches get caught up in is, this church is doing this really well. Let's do it just like them. Let's be them. You know, let's mm-hmm. there, you know, that's not what we want to do. You got to figure out what's going to work for you and your people that you have and the people in your community. So yeah, I think right, that's exactly. Important. And I actually just kicked out a episode uh, two weeks ago about how do we literally combat imposter syndrome as a small church? Because as a small church, I can guarantee that you can't do things the way that a big church can do. Like the church I went to at college, we had 45 people we were in the backwoods of the UP, which if you don't know what the UP is, it's the upper peninsula of Michigan. So it's the part of the state that's connected to Wisconsin, not connected to Michigan, but it's still yeah. Michigan. It's a lot of fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> but up there, I mean, literally we were 45 people, super small, super small community. It was an old dying port town. You can't do the same thing up there as you can in Indianapolis, as you can over in Raleigh, that you can over in San Diego. Whole different culture, whole different vibe. But that doesn't make it wrong. It just makes it different. No, it definitely does for sure. And that's totally okay. We're okay with that. Mm -hmm. that. Definitely, definitely. So the first thing you have to do, I would say, you know, going back into that conversation is you have to have your church website in order. And it's amazing how many churches will say like, oh yeah, I have a website. Like we have a website, we're fine. But so many times when people go to the website, they instantly get an impression that you probably don't want to actually give them. So then the next question is, is, okay, so what should be on your church website then? You know, the biggest thing that I'm a massive proponent on is anytime you use an image on your website, it has to be of your church people and your church building and your church staff. No questions asked. 
You can use, you know, icons and other things to, to, to bring different illustrations in, but people want to see, okay, what do people in the service look like? And, and what are they dressed like? In fact, I did an episode a while back about the six different types of photos that you need for your church and how if you get one, one, of, one photo in each of the six categories, you literally showed someone exactly what to expect out of a worship, not in a worship service, but just worshiping with your church on the weekend. Like, what does the foyer look like? What do the kids' rooms look like? Is the pastor wearing a suit and tie or is he not? Like, if I walk in with a hoodie and a flat bill, am I going to be burned at the stake or am I going <laughs> right. to look just like the worship pastor? Like, people actually want to know these questions. And yes, we need to tell them we need to have an FAQ, but pictures literally speak a thousand words that words never can. So you have to get pictures of your church people. And you can do all this with a teenager and an iPhone. It's really that simple. The That's second, yeah, yeah, you can do it literally. I mean, with the iPhone nowadays, like they're so powerful where you don't necessarily need to get these perfect captured um, professional photos, even though I think you should. Literally just say, hey, you're 13, 14, walk around <laughs> and just take pictures, take a thousand of them. You may only get two good ones, but those are two good photos that you did not have last week. So that's just oh, yeah, what definitely. I would say. Yeah. I would, um, another I was one I would say that too. Oh, like, ahead, you don't, no, no, sorry. Sorry. You don't want like, you don't have to ask what I was just going to tell people. Like you don't have to have a professional camera. You don't necessarily have to hire someone. And it just does so much, I think, for like the personal element of it too. Like it's just so much more inviting than to see a bunch of stock photos. Because then I think some church websites sort of end up looking like like a doctor's office page or something. You know, yes. it's just like generic. Like everyone looks the same. It's like very like shiny, like pretty all coordinated and matching. And not that you can't do that on your church website. Obviously you can, and you can hire someone and you can curate that. Mm-hmm. But I would rather see some real pictures of some real people in the church from an iPhone than I would a whole bunch of like, you know, iStock photos. So. Yeah, and even if it's not great, like, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the weird age where yes, I'm a millennial. Yes, I'm all about, you know, production and value and all those different things. And, but I'm also realizing that my preferences are starting to change in, in the worship service. Like I, it's so funny. It's like the, the, the background I'm starting to lean into more is more of a liturgical style of service. Like that's what I actually enjoy partially because my brain literally is scattered all day long where I walk into a church service. I know exactly what to expect and it's clean and it's orderly. And, but I'm also not necessarily looking, and this is where the beautiful thing for the small church can come into play is I'm not looking for when I was in my twenties, I wanted the lights, the sounds, the haze. Yeah. Like I wanted the whole, whole freaking package, like how elevation does it. That's how I want to do it. <laughs> but as I get to more of that, the, the older, the older, uh, older age, wow, I'm 30 and I'm saying I'm an older age, whatever. <laughs> older age, but yeah, yeah old, I'm older age for you, Abby. How about that? <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm starting to have different preferences and, and how I want to just worship on a Sunday. And it's okay if you aren't able to produce these things. Like, you know, I see so many churches where it's like, we're trying to modernize our sanctuary. How do we do it? And I'll look at pictures and I'll say, don't. Just, just leave go it. For it. Just leave it and go for it. But at the end of the day, you have to have pictures, even if they're not great pictures, even if they're a little fuzzy or, you know, they're not the most um, emotionally drawing in photos. Poor photos of your church are better than no photos of your church. So just do it. Yep. Totally agree. Could not agree more. Yep. And then I'll blow through these next ones so we can keep on moving. So the yeah. other things you need to have on your website besides just pictures is, you know, you got to have general information about each ministry and not just a, hey, we have teens, but literally of 
where they like where the teams meet, what door they go into, what time do they start, who are their leaders, what are their expectations? Because parents want to know what what am I getting into with each of the ministries when I'm going to you know my Sunday morning kids ministry? How does that work? Are your do your people take background checks for nowadays for certain people based on what city you live in? Do you still take temperature readings? Do you still require masks? Do you have all these different things? Do you let teenagers work with kids or not? How do you have all these different policies in place? And if you aren't able to answer the questions of the ministry, people are not going to know what to expect. Which just like you, like whoever said a restaurant. If I don't know where to park, where to go in, or what to expect when I walk in, I get anxious and nervous, and I'm already not trusting. And the same thing goes with our church. So you have to have not just to say that, hey, we have all these things, but actually break it down and, and, and actually spell it out for people. And then the other thing, too, that you have to have is, and this kind of goes into what we talked about, is you actually have to ask the questions and then answer those questions that potential visitors are going to ask. You know, every church has the question of what do I wear to church service? And there's always some, you know, bogus answer where it's like, you'll see people wearing like this and this and this and this and this, but really just come as you are. But then when people walk in, they're like, I can't come as I am. This does, this yeah. doesn't work. And yeah. if you, if, if you literally, the pastor wears a three piece suit, lean into it, answer that question. Cause I, I, I want to know, you know, where, where do I park? How do I go in? Okay. So why do you, like one church that I've worked with here, they have something called prayer lamps. So there's actually a lamb at the end of each pew. I was like, what on earth are these lamps? I don't know what it is. There's nothing on, on their church, old, old website before we built their new one or Facebook page said anything about these lamps. I had to walk in the building, find an old piece of paper and read what the lambs were about. They were literally prayer lamps. It's kind of like it for their version. It's almost like, a, I, mean, I don't want to say a, ro- I mean, it's kind of like a rosary where it's yeah. the fact of it's a visual. Remember, if they say, hey, you can literally take one of these little lamps home, put it somewhere so that way you can remember to pray for the other lambs that are in our flock. I'm like, that's a beautiful thing where every time I see this lamb, oh, I should pray for this person or pray for the church or for, for our shepherd who, you know, Jesus is our great shepherd, but the under shepherd, our pastor, it's yeah. a beautiful thing. But if I just walked in and went, why? Is this Build a Bear? Like, what the heck is? I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, this this booklet gets passed to me, and it's asking me to fill out all this information, but no one's told me about this or prepared me for this. I don't know what to do. I freak out, and I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, just answer the questions that people have about your church, even if it's you know. Again, people are seekers, so even if you take communion, people don't know what communion is or how it's different from the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. Just ask. Just ask and answer the questions because people want to know them. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, giving them all that on the front end so they don't have to come in and feel awkward or like nervous to ask someone or feel anxious going into it. Like it's just so much better, some a much better experience if you come in prepared and having all this ahead of time from the website. 100%. And, and even though I said, you know, the, the website is primarily for visitors, your own church members have a very short attention span and a terrible memory. So they'll have questions too. Like they'll be like, okay, wait, so how do I give online? Okay, let's, let's go give online. Um, I don't remember how to, like literally our, <laughs> our church's sermon page had to be built in such a way where old people would go to our church website first and then find our YouTube channel to watch yeah. online during COVID or then go to Facebook. And we're like, just go to YouTube and find it. And they couldn't. So, you know, there's still questions that your church members are going to ask make sure you ask those questions as well. So you can't forget about the church members in the process. And that's, I mean, the main thing people want to know for your church members is, where do I give online and how do I check it? I miss a sermon. How do I listen to it or watch it? And then the last one is, is the church calendar of like, okay, so what's actually going on? So I know there's a teen event. I know there's like a women's like cookies and things for the, like for, for moms and daughters, but I don't remember when that is. I don't know how to sign up for it. 
over communicate on the website and just put the information right in front of people. And if you have all that stuff in place and you have the good pictures in place, and when I say modern format, you know, I'm talking like mobile navigation menu, your font's big enough where people don't have to like, you know, pinch and zoom and all the different things. Your buttons aren't flowing off the page. The pictures aren't going crazy. Like it actually looks good and makes sense, but it takes people on the journey to literally just answer the questions that they have. Yeah, for sure. And I also want to go back and talk or note something else that you said that we need to make sure we have on our church website. And it sounds self-explanatory and you would assume that every church has it, but I'm always like really surprised when I go on a church website and it takes me forever to find one, the address and two, the times of the services. I'm like, tell me that. Cause like, if I, I, if I want to come to your church and I don't know where to go or when to be there, I'm not going to come. No, you're not going. No. You know? And like so many churches, you have to like, go deep into the menu to like find this one little secret hidden spot where it's going to tell you when the the services are. So that's that's an important one too. It's so important. And, and I mean, this is the beauty of what we'll talk about with Google My Business where you can lean into that a little bit more as well. But literally people want to know where your church is located and what time to meet and should they come early and where do they park? Mm-hmm. If you answer the very rudimentary basic questions that you think a dummy should know, Put them on your website because someone's asking those questions. And, and before I move on, I wasn't planning on doing this, um, but over on my website, smallchurch.media, I actually created the free church. I'll put it in front of my face. The free church, <laughs> uh, the, the small church website audit, where it literally it helps you run through four different tests to make sure that your website is be viewed by visitors. And that's completely free, not just for this podcast, but that's lifetime. So I have a whole free, like a free resource library. It's included there. You sign up for the email news chain, you get that email directly to your email inbox. So if you're not sure if your website's ready to be viewed by by website visitors, download the audit. It's a self audit. It's not a computerized AI thing to tell you your SEO score. It's literally just teaching you how to visually look at your website and then how to bring literally other people like millennials and Gen Zs into the equation to ask them, what do you think of the website too? So it's just a free resource over at smallchurch.media. That is awesome. That is super helpful. Thank you for sharing. And we will also put that link down in the show notes so that you guys can all get access to that. Um, So tell us about Google My Business. How is it supposed to use that? So before I say how we're supposed to use it, I just yeah. need to say we have to use it. Okay, I have yeah. talked with so many people, especially I would say like the conservative Christians or um, I'll, I'll, I'll just be honest. Um, preppers don't like Google because Google knows everything. But at the end of the day, Google is king. Like we have to literally play by the rules that people are wanting to play by. And mm-hmm. if you're not on Google, you don't exist. Like you literally <laughs> don't. And there's so many churches and businesses, and I've actually have built websites for people. I'm like, hey, let's set up your Google My Business page. And they're like, I don't want to be on Google. I'm like, oh, geez. okay, so, <laughs> so no one's ever going to find you, but we'll still make you a pretty website. That's, that's <laughs> fine. But so I would say for a church, this is something, again, this is, this, is the bare, this is the bare essentials of if you just do these very basic things, you're going to go a long way. The first is having the website, but the second is having the Google My Business page. And the reason is, is it's a free tool that Google uses to help people find you. Because if Google stops becoming relevant inside of people's search feeds, people are going to leave Google and go somewhere else. So they're trying to constantly answer people's questions that they have. So if you are trying to be a church where people Google, uh, like in our area, if someone says Baptist Church in South Bend, does your church even pop up? Or if someone says, what's the closest church near me? Or if someone says a church with a VBS program, if you're not on Google, yeah, well, first you can use Google My Search or Google Search Council. I want to say being on Google is different than Google My Business. I want to make sure I clarify those two different things. However, having a Google My Business page 
tells Google that you actually are a actual living, breathing entity, that you actually exist. And the really cool thing with Google, and this is more so, I want to make sure, because I know someone's going to you know split hairs on me where it's like, well, you can be on Google without Google My Business page, which yes, that is true. You can still show up in the search results. But at the end of the day, when you when people start Googling things, Google has laid out the Google search results in such a way where they literally will start boosting people's ratings based on if they have a Google My Business page or not. So when you first, you know, land on the on the search results page, you'll see like the ads at the very top, right? Like, like these are people who are paid to show up when I just Google churches in South Bend. They paid the Google ad or they have the Google, you know, the Google ad grant. So they're at the very top. The next section is what's called the Google Map Pack. It used to be called the Six Pack, and now it's called the Three Pack, but it's just the Google Map Pack. And that literally is based off of Google My Business. So if I just Google churches in South Bend, if I pay for an ad, I'll land up on top. If I don't have a Google My Business page, there's a chance I'll land below it in the actual just normal what we think of search results. However, if you want to land in the Google Map Pack, which basically will show the visual map and then place all those little pinpoints around your location... Having a Google My Business page is the first step to actually showing up in that map pack. And then the cool thing too about using Google My Business is people want to see reviews of businesses and coffee shops and, and all these different places. Churches can also collect reviews from their church members, which then also shoots you up into the search results ratings. Um, in Google My Business, you're able to add pictures of your sanctuary, of your building, of your people. You can collect reviews from your church people, and you can also post your operating and business hours with your phone number and email address because people don't want to go digging for your information. And if they search your church and you pull up in the Google Map Pack, instantly they'll be able to see what's your website, how do you email you, what times is this church open, what are people saying about this church, and what does the church actually look like both inside and out. And they can get all their all their questions answered before they even get to your website. And if they don't like what they'll see, they'll look into it back. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Southern Baptist. It is what it is. But if someone Googles Baptist in South Bend and they would click on our church, Southside Baptist, and they would pull up and they would see nothing but bad reviews or no reviews or no pictures or no phone numbers. They'll look at it and go, are they even open? I don't know. They'll click the next Baptist church below it. And if they have all the stuff, that's where they're going. So if you want people to be able to find you online and then hopefully take that next step into your website, having a Google business page is in my... And again, it's free. It's completely free to sign up. It's just business.google.com. Or just you know, literally Google Google My Business or Google Business Profile and you'll find it. But you have to have those two things if you want to be found online. A good website and a Google Business Profile. No, I totally agree. And like you said, it just legitimizes it so much. Yes, it makes that's a good word. So much more trustworthy. Like it going back to our restaurant illustration, you know, if I look up a restaurant on Google and I'm like, oh, my so-and-so friend told me about it, and I look it up and there's no pictures, there's no address, there's no reviews, I can't even find their website. I can't find their business hours. I'm going to be like, I think this place like maybe isn't open. Is it like, even real? It got, it's kind of sketchy, right? Like I'm probably not going to bother driving all the way there just to be like, oh, this place is closed. I was right. You know, they don't even have a Google, anything on their Google profile. So it makes you seem way more legitimate and you're, you get way more trust, I think, from the person visiting on the outset. And, and in today's day and age, you know, with all the stuff that's coming out with like the Mars Hill podcast and also like with the Hillsong documentary, People didn't trust the church already. Mm-hmm. Now they have proof of why they should not ever, ever trust trust a corporate entity or any church for that matter. So the yeah. fact that, you know, people are already coming with a little chip on their shoulder of, I don't really trust you, but I know I need something. 
but I still don't trust you. We just had to constantly remove those barriers off people's backs and and yes, you know, provide a way. Because obviously, you know, I, I'm I'm a firm believer in yes, God opens the eyes of the blind, and and people can only follow God if if God you know opens up their eyes. But you know. Man, we saw the responsibility to to do what we need to do to help, you know, share the gospel with Jesus and remove all barriers. Uh, there's an old quote where it's like, you know, um, the only barrier that someone should have to following Jesus is the cross, not us. And so if we can just get our junk out of the way, answer all their questions, build as much trustworthiness as we can, maybe they can be able to be able to, uh, maybe they can be able to be able. That's a weird run out of words. Um, but maybe they'll be able to hear the gospel of Jesus and then they can choose to follow him. And so if we just remove those distractions and those barriers and build trust, build, you know, a good reputation and just literally come alongside people. If you say you love your neighbor, prove it online, come alongside your neighbor, help them just answer all the questions that they have and literally show them this is what it's going to look and feel like if you're here with us. But people also can't know that unless they first find you online. So you got to have a good website in order, got to have that Google business profile. I totally agree. I think it's being a good steward of the tools and resources that we have available to us. And like you said, it's free. So, I mean, it's not even like you're having to to spend the money on this. Um, that's true. Yeah. And so I do want to say, else? no, and, and that's that's it with that one. But well, I guess I'm one, one thing to add. So again, yeah. we're talking small little church, 50, yeah. 60 people. What is the bare essentials to be found online? Notice I did not say social media. I am not putting social media into this category. We'll get into that here a little bit later. But literally, social media is not, in my opinion and essential to be found online. Your website and your Google business profile are though. Yeah, for sure. I think that we have hit what we need for websites. Are there any, Is there anything else that people need to make sure that they have on their website? Because I'm kind of with you. I'm, I was curious where your social media piece was going to come in. So that's interesting. I'll be glad to circle back to that. But yeah, and, I, and, I, and I'm a big proponent of social media. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah, you yeah. know, like, like with the podcast, like uh, Real Talk Christian, we've literally have built an online community of people all over the world, South Africa, Northern Ireland. Uh, we have a listener in India, I think, who works at the U.S. consulate office. And we're all able to, and they found us because of social media. Yeah. We've created community around social media. But that's, in, in, in my opinion, Again, it's a beautiful piece, but it's not a foundation to being found online. Because if your Facebook is is, is doing great, but your website's not in order, people are still going to go from your social media to your website, generally before walking in your church doors. So if you have a good social media presence, yes, that's a beautiful thing. But again, if your website's not in order, you need to get that in order first before you double down on all social media efforts. Well, guys, that's it for part one of this conversation. Come back next week, next Tuesday, same time, same place for part two of that conversation. But before I let you go, I want to remind you that over at the free resource library on the website, again, that's smallchurch.media, no.com, just smallchurch.media media, you could download. It's not really even a download. It's more of you roll in the free sermon series mini course that I do with all Canva free to teach you how to make three different sermon series graphics, turn into social media posts, and where to find inspiration for future graphics. If you have not signed up for that course, I want to challenge you to do such because you can finish it all literally in one afternoon. And if you have taken that course, let me know that you have because I want to just follow up with you to see what you thought about the course, see what we can do about it to make it either better or change it or whatever we got to do going into the future with more course creation that we have in store for you guys coming out later, hopefully by the end of the year. 
But just like always, guys, if you listen to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating in review. Spotify, leave a rating because those helps us get into the ears of other listeners. And if you do, I will get a free gift card in the mail for you for your favorite coffee shop or just Starbucks or Dunkin' or Tim Hortons or whatever your poison is. Just has my way of saying Thank you for doing that. So make sure you do that. Hit up the free resource library. And if you have any questions at all about the show, just go to smallchurch.media, hit that contact tab, and let me know your questions or even ideas for the show that you would like for us to talk about here on the Small Church Media Podcast. But just like always, it's been an absolute pleasure hanging out with you again. And thank you for spending another, uh, well, this one was closer to an hour. Well, that's like 40 minutes. Who's really counting time at this point? It was just that good of a conversation. But either way, thanks for spending your time with me over here on the Small Church Media Podcast. And we'll see you next week for part two of this conversation. So until next time, take it easy and have a great week. The Small Church Media Podcast is a part of Mark Hyde Creative.